morning. I think I'm on, yes? I'm going to turn this a little bit. All right. Um, one of the things I, I just like to start off with is that um, this book I began because a sister church is in need of a pastor. And we're going to be in the book of Titus today. I know, I know a lot of you are so disappointed that I'm not in a book that starts with J. Um, but uh, I thought this is the best way to lead them. And I thought we would benefit just for, uh, for a glimpse into this book. One of the reasons why I chose this book is, you know, I praise God for Pastor Doug, Pastor Eric, Pastor Jim, for faithful pastors that week in, week out, preach the gospel to us, preach the whole counsel of, of God to us. What an amazing gift it is. And as we just found out, many churches do not have that. They've turned away from the gospel. And now many of our churches that do ha have had that are now in need of a pastor. So we need to be a tool in the hands of God. It reminds me of the title to uh, Paul Tripp's book, Instruments in the Hands of the Redeemer. So we too want to be instruments in the hand of the Redeemer. And so when you think of uh, Stephen going to preach at First Indian Baptist and Pastor uh, Jim going to preach at uh, First Indian in uh, Big Cypress, that is a gift of grace that he's given us to be able to help sister churches. Now, we cannot fix all their problems, and I know that, but we can just preach what God's Word says, and that is enough. And so, if you would, could we stand one more time as we read the Word of God together? We're in Titus chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but in have, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Father, will you bless the reading of your word today, Father, that we would just see it unfold. We would answer some important questions, Lord God. We're just thankful for your mercies and your kindness. Lord God, they are kindness is, if we're honest, Lord God. What an amazing gift that you have given us, Lord God. I ask that you would have your way for your glory and honor and praise, Father, that you would be exalted in us and through us, Father. Right now, Lord God, will you please help us to just listen and heed what your word has to say. Father, I love how uh, the passage that Pastor uh, Eric read today. For this cause, we thank you, God, without ceasing. Because, Lord, when your people received the word, which they heard, Lord God, they didn't receive the words of men, but they received it as the word of the truth that came from your word, which effectually works in us who believe. And so I'm thankful for your mercies. Right now, will you bless us? In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Okay, so we are in the book of Titus. I guess you could sit down if you'd like to. I mean, it's up to you. I'll leave that at your tender care. So Paul wrote Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. For the purpose of showing his calling as a slave of God, 
by faith according to God's choosing, by acknowledging the truth that follows godliness with the hope of eternal life through the preaching of his word. So today you will answer some questions. Whom you serve? Will you walk by faith? Will you acknowledge the truth? For there is hope of eternal life through the preaching of his word. And so, whom will you serve is our first truth today. If you look at verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. Paul wrote this. I don't think it's a big mystery. It says, Paul, that's enough for me. Um, we're not talking about like the book of Hebrews where people say this one wrote it, this one wrote it. I believe it was Paul, but it doesn't have to be, and that's okay. But Paul wrote this. Who is Paul? Paul is a servant of God, a doulos of God, a bondservant, a slave, one who has willingly sold himself into service for the King of Kings, for the Lord of Lords, for the King of Glory. Paul was not always a servant of God. Paul formerly went by his Jewish name, Saul. I, this was not a, a name change. This was one of his names. And so he used Paul. Why? Now, by Paul's own admission in uh, Philippians 3, he was an influential and accomplished Jew. Here's what it says, Philippians 3, 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So here he is, Hebrew of Hebrews. This guy, he lists his pedigree. He says, hey man, I was circumcised on the eighth day, which is required of all Jewish males. He belonged to the stock of Israel. His lineage is pa uh, traces trace all the way back to Israel, to Benjamin. But he was all that and more. He was all that in a bag of chips. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Jew of Jews. In regards to the law, he was perfect. He was an expert, a teacher. He was zealous for the law of God. The only problem was he did not love the God of the law. And so this guy was on fire of the law. He consented and agreed to the stoning of Stephen. Saul was brought up in the law. It was ingrained in him at a very early age. He was threatening the lives of any and everyone in the land who followed this Jesus, followed the, followed the way whom Jesus that was crucified by the Jews and sentenced to die a criminal's death on the cross. He was eager to destroy all the followers of the way. He took it upon himself to go to the high priest, willingly go on a mission to go after these people. He asked the high priest for this letter and he went on this road to Damascus. And then on the road to Damascus, something interesting happened. He actually encountered the risen Christ. In Acts chapter 9, verse 3, as he journeyed, he came to, near, to, uh, near Damascus, and suddenly there, there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell on the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. So he's so engulfed in light, he is driven to his knees, and a voice cries out, Why are you persecuting me? And Saul asks the question. Some of us think it's a really dumb question. Who are you, Lord? I don't think it's dumb. I think this is the cry of repentance because we don't see that. All we know is he went from death to life. Who are you, Lord? And so, Saul, who once persecuted and killed the church, now is the most zealous 
for the sake of Christ and for the gospel of Christ. He went from a servant of sin who belonged to Satan, an enemy of God, and the enemy of his soul to a servant of God, a lover of God. He went from being a slave of an evil taskmaster that hated his guts, Satan, to Christ, the better taskmaster, the better master, the one that actually loved him. The question that we must answer is, whom will you serve? Whom will you serve? Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, God and money. Guys, you cannot serve God and love this world. Now, when I'm talking about love this world, I'm not talking about loving the people in it, loving the sin that comes in this world. Pride of life. Lust. You cannot do it both. Now, listen, I'm not saying we can't battle, because we do battle in a real world. You cannot serve God and your sin. You will either love God and hate your sin, or you will hate God and you will love your sin. You cannot do both. He served the law with vengeance, killing the saints, persecuted the church. But when Paul met Jesus on this road, he went from the persecutor to the persecuted. That's, that's awesome. By the way, and it's all because of the good news of Christ, that Jesus actually speaks to him. Are you in service of Christ the King? Are you sharing the gospel with others? Are you honoring Christ with your life? He's giving you commandments. Are you submitted to him or are you doing your own thing? Sadly, when you look at the church today, most are doing their own thing. They got Jesus, but they got everything else too. And that is problematic. Saints, we can get to, you know, we, we, we can get sideways too, can't we? Can we? Can we at times lose focus of Christ? We're not talking about those who, who veer off and then return. We're talking about those who do not ever go to Christ. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you do not know Christ, you will serve your own passions of your heart. And your life will be steeped in self. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. He will save you, transform you, change your desires, conform your life to Christ, the better taskmaster. Guys, we're going to be a slave either way. Either we're going to serve our sin or we're going to serve Christ. We're going to be slaves. I'd rather belong to the better taskmaster that actually likes me. I don't even like me, but he does. It's pretty cool. Okay, so whom will you serve as the first truth? Second truth. These are simple, hopefully. Will you walk according to faith? Look at verse 1. Uh, it says, by the way, isn't it interesting that I'm still in verse 1? Oh, well, it's okay. Titus 1.1. 1, 1, Paul, the servant of God, the apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, according to the, uh, uh, the, uh, the acknowledging of truth, which is after godliness. Okay. So not only is Paul a slave of God, but he is now, he is also an apostle of Jesus Christ, handpicked by Jesus on this road to Damascus. How did Paul come to Christ? Well, he came to Christ like all men. He trusted God by faith. Paul is not a super Christian. He is just Christian. He's, guys, today in our world today, we, we all want this supernatural, uh, you know, anointing. We want 
tongues of fire we want. We want to be able to heal. What about just serving Christ? Is that not enough for us anymore? No, we want a name for ourselves today. He came to Christ like all men do. It's important. He came to Christ according to the faith of God's elect. He trusted Christ as the elect of God do. But he did so by faith. Faith in Christ carries us into salvation. Hebrews 10, 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. And if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Oh, wait, I, I thought you'd pay attention for a little bit. Now, the just will live by faith. The just will live believing and continue and believe in Jesus. They continue to follow Christ. If any man draws back from believing, God is not going to have any pleasure in him. Wait, are you saying we can lose our salvation? Absolutely not. Okay. If any man draws back, by the way, no man who has genuinely trusted Christ will draw back unto perdition. They will not draw back from their faith, for they cannot, if the gospel has genuinely taken hold of their heart, God has no pleasure in those who reject him. But guys, Hebrews 10.39, listen, I want, you to, I want you to see it in the text, because it's not me. Hebrews 10.39 says, but we, listen to what it says, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. That's what it says in Hebrews 10, 39. But of them that believe to what? To the saving of the soul. There's hope. Then he reminds the readers that they together with him are not of them. They do not belong to them and they draw back into perdition. Who turn from the gospel and remain in their judgment. Those who do not remain and rest in Christ do not belong to Christ. But we who believe will remain to the saving of our soul. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Now faith is this, uh, 11, 1, sorry. He, uh, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This verse is the very definition of faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We who believe have faith in the things that we do not see yet, but we're looking forward to with hope, knowing that it is real. Though we have not seen Jesus, knowing that he exists as per the word of God and believe God's word, even though we have no visible evidence of, of, of Christ, you don't get to see him physically. Man, don't you envy the, uh, the New Testament saints that actually got to see Jesus live and, 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 and then die and then raise again and see him raise victorious and ascended to heaven? Well, we get to read about it and that is enough. We get to look forward to when Christ returns. That should give us great hope. Atheists, by the way, have faith. They do. They have faith that God doesn't exist. And the evidence that God doesn't exist is they can't see him. Same definition. So it's because they can't see him. But then Hebrews 11.6 helps us a little bit. says this. But without faith, listen, it is impossible to please him. Who's him? God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists. And he rewards those who... Dil dil 
Seek him quickly. No, diligently seek him. So without faith, without belief, it is impossible to please God. We are incapable of pleasing God. Guys, without Christ, we are dead. You know what dead people do well? Being dead. I thought that was obvious, but I figured I'd say it. So we must believe that he exists. Because when we believe he exists, he is the reward of those who diligently and faithfully seek him. This is the faith of God's elect. Here's some questions for you. Will you walk according to the faith of God's elect? Guys, listen, I don't care what you think about whether God chose. Listen, here's the deal. The scriptures say it. Should that not be enough? Cannot we take that by faith? That we are the elect of God if we have chosen, chosen Christ. Because he, it's not that we loved him first, that he loved what? Us first. Will we walk in the ways of this world according to truth? You know, according to truth that this world feeds us? Or will we walk according to the word of God? The litmus test of truth. Which is truth. Will you trust God or will you trust self? By the way, many of us really struggle with that one. Paul often calls us to test ourselves. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves? How, listen, that Jesus Christ is in you. Then it has this little thing, except you be reprobates. Except you be reprobates. Except you be an unrepentant sinner. Or you could say, as the ESV says, fail the test. I have not Christ within you. So we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. That's one of my favorite quotes. I don't even know who said it. It's mine now. But if you do not know Christ, how can you walk by faith? You need Jesus just like we all need Jesus. Just like the whole world needs Jesus. Guys, we need Jesus. If you're here and I call for raising of the hands and ask, how many of you need Jesus? All of our hands should go up. Why? Because we need Jesus to breathe. Some, oh, by the way, when I, can I just give you a little addendum? Because uh, it's been brought to my attention that I might be loud and I might yell a lot. It's not called yelling. It's called preaching with passion. But it's not, I'm not yelling I'm outside. I don't do this inside a building as much. Okay, that's almost not true, but uh, so, so if you do not know Christ, how do you walk by faith? You need Christ. So we need the Holy Spirit to sustain our faith. We need the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, to, to, to enable us to continue to press on because we are held every moment, every day by the sovereign hand of God. <sighs> Our next truth is, will you acknowledge truth? Will you acknowledge truth? By the way, you're going to be surprised, but look at verse 1. Titus 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. And listen, and the acknowledging, acknowledging of truth, which is after godliness. All this he did by acknowledging the truth. That was modeled after godliness. All this he did. Think about this. This is not modeled after somebody's opinion. This is not modeled after some new fandangled gospel presentation. This is modeled after godliness. It's modeled after godliness. What truth did Paul acknowledge? Well, 
I would say he acknowledged the fact that the Bible is true and is right. And I think he acknowledged also that he was wrong. <laughs> he acknowledged that being zealous for the law did not save or cannot save, will not save. So what is this truth that is after godliness? I believe he agreed with God. He agreed with God about his sin. He agreed with God about righteousness. He agreed with God about judgment. I, and I use that because I believe the Holy Spirit has the role in here. John 16, 8. And when he is come, he meaning here the Holy Spirit comes. When he is come, he will reprove or correct the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will also do that of sin because they did not believe on me is what Jesus says. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with a purpose. He came with purpose. He still has purpose. One of the responsibilities of the third person of the Trinity was to reprove, correct, convict the world of sin, to reveal the sinfulness of sin. How often do you look at your sin and go, wow, that was really sinful? I think sometimes we give ourselves a way out. Oh, it's just a mistake. Either sin is evil and wicked or it's not. Guys, my sin is evil. Have you ever said to yourself, and you have this really weird thought, and none of you have, and I guess I have them mostly, but it comes out of nowhere and you go, where the heck did that come from? Am I allowed to say heck? Okay. And then you say, so, oh, wait, wait, wait. Back up. It comes from you, Tom. It comes from the depth of, of that sin nature still within you. You still want what you want. But I'm thankful that God gives us opportunity to repent. So, the, the, so we have this, he, he does all this. And so another responsibility of the Holy Spirit was to reprove the world of righteousness, showing the world what is right. Another role is the Holy Spirit plays a role in convicting the world of judgment of sin. The world knows that they're sinful because they did not know Jesus. How do I know that the world knows it's sinful? I want you to think back to John 3, 16, the one that's, that's, that's preached often. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we all say amen, right? But then we skip over 17. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. And then we skip 18 too. Those who believe are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already. Because they have not believed the name of the Son, of the only begotten Son of God. So the Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. That's why I get so frustrated when I watch people uh, say that the Holy Spirit does this and the Holy Spirit does that. And they ignore the Father and they ignore the Son. Everything's about the supernatural gifts. And it's not about Jesus. Even the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. Always. And continually. So he's pointing to Jesus. So God did what he promised to do for the Jews. I want you to listen to this. This might be really deep and heady, but I don't think so. Ezekiel 37, 13 and 14. This is what it says. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves oh my people and brought you up out of your graves and so put graves and you, uh, so I put my spirit in you and you shall live and I shall place you in your own land and you shall know that I am the Lord I the Lord has spoken it and performed it saith the Lord so God tells them what he would do he's going to pull them out of their grave why 
so that they would know he is the Lord. He pulled them out of the grave and they're spiritually dead. Dead people can only be dead, so he's gonna he's gonna put a spirit in them that brings them to life. He puts life into them and he takes them out of their grave. They're spiritually dead and causes them to live. He promised to put his Holy Spirit in them and that they would live. It's just not a picture of salvation. Guys, dead men can only be dead until they're brought to life. Sorry, it's really sweaty up here. I think it's the, it's the sun. All right. So he gave the same promise of the Holy Spirit. He promises to take out the dead stony heart in Ezekiel 36 and put in a heart of flesh. And he did this so that men would be awakened from the deadness of their sin to trust Christ who is life. Guys, if you think about it, new spirit, new heart, we can respond and know Christ. Will you acknowledge the truth and heed the Holy Spirit or will you continue in deadness? If you're in Christ, your answer should be an overwhelming yes. I want to acknowledge the truth, but if not, it's not you, then you will continue to walk in deadness until the time comes where either you repent and believe or Jesus returns and you're found lacking Christ and condemned. Oh, that you would look to Christ and live. So whom you will, will you serve? Will you walk according to faith? Will you acknowledge the truth? For when you do this, when you answer these questions rightly, you have hope of eternal life. You have hope of eternal life. Look at one, two. The hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. I don't know about you, but this excites me. Serving as a slave of God, rather than being a slave of sin, walking in faith, grounded in truth, there is hope of eternal life. This hope is not some wishful thinking, not some pie in the sky by and by. This hope is confident. This hope is a guarantee. This hope is a promise to build our lives upon. This hope is sure. Why? In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. We have hope of eternal life. The God that can't lie cannot fail to keep his promises. This promise of eternal life was given before the world was formed. Before one rock, one tree, one bird, one bee. God promised. God had a way. Guys, it is God ordained salvation before there was a need for salvation. Hebrews 6.17, wherein God willing, by the way, that was Hebrews 6.17, God willingly, more abundantly, to show unto the heirs of promise the immutable immutability of his counsel, Confirmed by no. So God showed and prepared this plan for the immutable, immutability, the unchangeableness of his counsel. His counsel does not change. God has set it up and set it in stone, showing the unchangeableness of his will. God, God's edicts, God's decrees, God's promises, God's oaths do not change. What he decrees comes to be, what he promises is a sure thing, cannot be changed. They are according to the counsel of that self-same will. 
he, confirm, he confirms this unchangeability of his will in the next verse with an oath, right? Hebrews 6.18, by two immutable things in which it is impossible, it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before him. Two immutable things, two things that cannot change. God can't lie and you have hope. And this hope is a sure and steady anchor to the soul if you read verse 19. Hope, listen, I'm going to read it. It says, which hope we have is an anchor of the soul. Well, sure and steady, sure and steady means immovable, anchored, which enters behind the veil. By the way, that is Christ. Hope is not some wishful thinking. Hope is a confident hope. Our immovable, <laughs> by the way, don't, don't, this is a little funny. Our immovable hope moves behind the veil and makes intercession. Because our immovable hope is not some, some rock. It is the man Christ Jesus, or the fully God, fully man Christ Jesus, or the true God, true man Christ Jesus. So Titus 1, 2 again says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. The one more thing we need to remember is that eternal life was a pre-planned event. It was. It was a pre-planned event. Revelation 13, 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. It's talking about the beast here, not Jesus, okay? Whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb. Listen. Slain from the foundation of the world. Guys, this is a pre-planned event. There are men who will worship idols. And those who worship, worship these idols who do not repent, those names are not in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus was always meant to die. He was always meant to die. Jesus was always the solution before man was created. He is the hope of glory, the one we can trust and rely on. Having trusted in Christ, who is the hope of glory, the salvation of the soul, who is the one not only able to save, but will save to the uttermost. He is Jesus. Guys, there's not a plan A and a plan B. There's the plan. I just like calling it plan, but I was told that was wrong. So, whom will you serve? Will you walk according to faith, acknowledge the truth, and will you have the hope of eternal life? And the last one's not even a, a truth. It's just what we should do. Look at verse uh, 3. Uh, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Look at verse 3. But have in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Here, I'm going to run through this because there's a lot more that can be said about this first. But I want you to see a couple things. God has manifested his word through the preaching of his word. Through the prophets, the word has come. Because God uses prophets. God had, God's written word calls for the preaching of God's word. This preaching of God's word is calling it is the calling of men like Paul. For Paul says the preaching of the word was committed and given unto him. It is given to us. Let's share this gospel. The gospel of our salvation. This calling to preach the word is committed to men. Men are the avenue of sharing the word in the pulpit. But every believer is responsible to share the word with those around them. Every man, every woman 
is called to share the gospel. We're called to share God's word in our everyday lives. For the preaching of this word is the purpose God has called and commanded us to do for the lost and dying world. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How will they call on, believe on, hear, unless we go? Who is called to share this gospel? You are. Isaiah 6, 8. May we be like Isaiah. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. May we have that same heart's desire. May we serve him. Walk according to faith. Acknowledge his truth. Live in the fact that we have eternal life. And may we preach the word. And if you don't know Christ, you can't do any of these things. We look at, um, briefly, at Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And one of the things it says there, it says that God wants us to know and understand him. That is his goal, that he, to know that he is Lord, to know and understand him. This is why we have the word of God written down for us, so we can know and understand him and then proclaim him. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, how gracious, how merciful, and how kind you are that you would see fit, Lord God, to not only send your son into this world to, to, to save us, but Lord God, and to redeem us but you've given us, Lord God, the strength to walk according to your pattern, which you've set, according to faith, according to truth, according to godliness. Father, but you've given eternal life. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, may today be the day of their salvation. May today be the day they look to Christ and live. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just pray again, if you don't mind. Father, Lord God, you know exactly what's going on uh, behind me, Lord God. I ask that you would just grant us mercy and grace. I pray that you just please, uh, will you move, Lord God, and bring safety there, Lord God. I pray that you'd have your way right now, Lord God. Bring peace in the midst of just uh, hard, uh, hardness, Lord God. I ask that you would just uh, have your way. Be your glory, honor, and praise. Love you and thank you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.